Welcome back to Dynasty Coast to Coast. I'm your co-host, Austin Wright, coming to you live from the best coast, the West Coast. You can find me on Twitter at Dynasty Austy. I am joined once again by my co-host, Cam Welch, from the Least Coast, oh. who you can find on Twitter at Dynasty Cam. Also, don't forget to follow our podcast main Twitter page at Coast to Coast FFB. Send us your questions or just let us know how much you love the pod. So today we're going to continue our mock draft into the second round. But Cam, I wanted to start us off by asking, are you willing to admit that you were wrong selecting DeAndre Swift over Clyde Edwards Hilaire in our last episode? Or are you going to wait until Clyde Edwards Hilaire posts a top five season as a rookie this year after Damian Williams opted out of the NFL season? I am digging in. Clyde is definitely in a great spot this year. But I believe when Swift inevitably assumes the role of lead back in Detroit, Austin, it will be all systems go for the more talented running back of the two. I said it. More talented. Well... I respect you for sticking to your take, but Cam, it's okay to be wrong. I'd, I'd say I won't hold it against you, but I definitely will. Okay. All right. Well, let's put our Clyde Edwards Hilaire takes aside for now, and we'll get back to them later. And let's get into the uh, round two of this mock draft. Austin, start us off at 2.01. All right, thank you, Cam, with 2.01. I am going to go with wide receiver Michael Pittman. Michael Pittman is a 6'4", 225-pound wide receiver from USC that was drafted early on with the second pick of the second round by one of the smartest-run organizations in the league, the Indianapolis Colts. So Pittman ran a 4'5'2" yard dash which may, may not seem all that impressive but he actually for a guy his size at 225 pounds that's actually a 93rd percentile weight adjusted speed score so for a guy like Pittman who had over 100 receptions and over 1200 yards receiving with 11 touchdowns last season um, coming into the situation that he's in with you know, really nobody in front of him. I love the landing spot. And in my opinion, Michael Pittman is the most polished of the rookie wide receivers right now. Is that because he's a year older than some of the other wide receivers? Maybe. But that also means that he's in position for immediate production on a Colts team with very little competition. I mean, Cam, who's going to hold him back? Zach Pascal? Yeah, you dropping uh, Zach Pascal um, definitely definitely says the Colts have a glaring need for new fresh blood at wide receiver. Um, I mean, Pittman was taken in the second round with the second pick of the second round. Like, the Colts, this was the Colts first pick in the NFL draft and they used it on Michael Pittman. I think that speaks volumes. Um, he, he definitely flashed his junior year, but really he popped in his senior year. Um, 
and he he put up 1275 yards on 101 receptions uh and he had 11 receiving touchdowns so he he definitely showed promise i think the scary thing with him is he really didn't flash until a little bit later than a lot of these other guys in the draft. He has a 39th percentile um, breakout age. He broke out uh, at about uh, 20.9 years of age. Um, I I do think, I mean, Paris Campbell's not going to be an issue for him. T.Y. Uh, Hilton's getting older. Zach Pascal is, I don't, I mean, he's, there, there's there's nothing there. So Philip Rivers going there. Philip Rivers is gonna need his little safety nets. He's gonna he's gonna bring some new juice to that offense. And the thing that concerns me with Michael Pittman is that that late breakout. And he may be the most polished. He he is a bigger receiver, which doesn't necessarily mean too much if you don't have a super athletic profile. So we'll see what happens. Um, I'd also like to say that he only had 4.8 yards after the catch um, in his college career, which is, that's not good. That's, he's catching the ball and he's going down almost immediately. So I think that that probably has to do with the lack of separation. And I, I think if if that's really a, a, a an issue, then it's just going to become more of an issue in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, for me, his play style reminds me a lot of Mike Evans, which alludes to your point of the not a lot of yak. But if there's yep. one thing that we know, it's that Philip Rivers loves his big body possession wide receivers, Keenan mm-hmm. Allen, Vincent Jackson. Mike Williams. Mike Williams, yep. So I just think that it's wheels up for Michael Pittman, even in year one. He's the most polished of the rookie wide receivers and not a whole lot in front of him. But how are you going to top that pick at 202, Cam? So at 202, I'm going to go with Alabama receiver and the Raiders, the Raiders first round pick in Henry. Ruggs. Henry Ruggs was the first skill position player taken in the NFL draft. In the last four years, only one player has showed more speed on a single play. And it, it was, it was, it's crazy to see a human move this fast, especially with pads on. He ran 23 miles an hour, and there's only one other player to do that in the last four years. And that's Tyreek Hill. Wow. That's that's pretty crazy. He, he is blazing on the field. Um, when you watch him, it definitely shows. There's they, they throw him a lot of screens, and he, he definitely will stretch the field out for the Raiders. He had a 100th percentile 40-yard dash, a 90th percentile speed score, a 97th percentile burst score. So the athleticism is definitely there. He was also the wide receiver three behind Jerry Judy and Devonta Smith, and he still managed 700-plus yards in the last two seasons, which is pretty impressive because those guys are phenomenal. Um, He averaged 17.4 yards 
uh, per reception. And I know what you're thinking. He was most likely used in garbage time. Well, you were wrong. So digging a little bit deeper into his stats, Henry Ruggs in quarters one through three amassed 674 yards on 37 receptions. In the fourth quarter, he only had three receptions for 72 yards in his final season at Alabama. He wasn't even used to his full potential. He literally would just fade out of the game because Alabama didn't need him. They just were outscoring pretty much everybody. There were only two games or three games they scored less than 40 points. So what you're telling me is that Henry Ruggs doesn't have the clutch gene. It's either he doesn't have the clutch gene or Alabama was just blowing these teams out of the water. In Alabama's 13 games, they scored 42, 62, 47, 49, 59, 47, 35, 48, 41, 38, 66, 45, and 35 points. They didn't need him. They didn't need him at all. They, they, there was no reason to deploy him in the fourth quarter. If Alabama deployed rugs normally throughout the entire game script, he would have approached 900 yards receiving and nine total touchdowns. That's pretty crazy. But as the wide receiver three. Yeah, no, that is that is pretty crazy. But, you know, just like Alabama didn't need Henry Ruggs in the fourth quarter, I don't need Henry Ruggs on my dynasty team. Um, there's no doubt that Ruggs is a freak athlete. And like you said, one of the fastest players in the history of the league once he plays his first game. Um, and mm-hmm. while he was the first wide receiver selected in the NFL draft, my concern is that lack of production. You know, he never exceeded 46 receptions or 746 yards receiving at Alabama. And piling on, I have no confidence in the Raiders' continued incompetence at quarterback. Derek Carr (laughs) is trash. He's below average. I don't think Gruden even likes Derek Carr, let's be honest. Well, I'm more concerned that he might like Marcus Mariota, which might be even worse. (laughs) So why would I waste a draft pick on a boomer bust, undersized wide receiver that I'm not sure would ever even crack my weekly lineup? Yeah, well, I just think I think Gruden is looking for toys. He he failed in his trade for Antonio Brown, and I, I just think he's ready for an they need an athletic freak for that vanilla offense that they, they've been running behind Derek Carr. And I think Henry Ruggs is definitely an instant lightning rod for that team. I mean, it won't hurt. They, they need something. They need something to go right there. And yeah. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see with him. It'll be interesting, I would say. He, he could either be a gadgety, like, decoy player who will just continue underperforming stats-wise, but there could be a lot left um, for him to, to show us. So, Yeah. Well, you can, you can have your shiny toy with Henry Ruggs, <laughs> but I'm going to take a guy at 203 who I really like, not only because he's from my alma mater, Arizona State University, shout-out number one in innovation. We're taking... Brandon Ayuk, who is the 25th pick of the first round by San Francisco, 
where he immediately now jumps into the number one wide receiver chair with the Debo Samuel foot injury. That's going to keep him out at least the first few weeks of the season, not to mention he may be eased into the game plan, but he lands in a perfect situation with one of the best offensive minds in the league with Kyle Shanahan, who pounded the table for the yak monster himself. I mean, Ayuk, watching him in college, he runs like his life depends on it. Um, he plays faster than the 4-5-40 that he ran at the Combine, and, you know, he is raw as a wide receiver, but I just think if he ever develops as a route runner, then he could be something special. Um, solid size at six foot 205, but most notably... The dude is a pterodactyl. He has a <laughs> six foot nine wingspan, so <laughs> he has the wow. tools. It's just a matter of putting it together. Um, Ayuk, he he was a JUCO transfer, so that kind of accounts for his late breakout age. But as soon as he got the opportunity at ASU, he accounted for nearly twelve hundred yards receiving last year um, and eighteen yards per reception. So I think. He's a steal at 203, but Cam, what do you think? Brandon Ayuk is definitely somebody. He is definitely somebody that we could say, how did he go so low? How did we let him slip even this far into rookie drafts? He was he was drafted in the first round, like you said, by the 49ers. And I think the negative is his unknown. Like you saw his his breakout in his final year at ASU, and it was quite the breakout. He started his college career in junior college and had a lot of offers. He actually got offered um, Alabama sentiment offer, which is pretty eye-opening. And he really didn't break out his first year at ASU. I mean, Nikhil Harry was there, and when Nikhil Harry left, he did break out. That 26th percentile breakout age is scary. I know the JUCO has to do with that. A little interesting stat for Brandon Ayuk is with contested targets, he only caught 25%. And it's kind of a big deal in the NFL because... Pretty much everybody plays at the same speed unless you're a Tyreek Hill or soon-to-be Henry Ruggs. So he's definitely a project-wide receiver. You know? Yeah, I I think that... Sorry to cut you off, but I think... No, you're good. You said the the downside is the unknown. I think the upside is the unknown. And the fact that he... He's not polished, so his breakout was despite a complete lack of route running mm-hmm. and you know not making those contested catches. So if he puts the pieces of the puzzle together, he has the frame, he has the play style to you know become a wide receiver one if things fall right. Yeah, and it's uh, essentially it's usually the people that like him are willing to take the chance on him because they think he will break out, and usually the people that kind of shy away from him just are scared of what his what what that floor looks like and how low that ceiling might be so 
He's he's kind of like that flyer pick this year. If you love him, you absolutely love him. The situation's good. Kyle Shanahan's always a like he will help him grow, and it'll be interesting. I I, I think he's a good player. It's just like I said, the only having two years at ASU is it is definitely a big unknown, and we'll see where he goes from here. Moving on with the two hundred four, I'm gonna go Lavishka Chenault. So Chenault was he played his college career at Colorado, which is a Pac-12 school. He had an age nineteen breakout. He broke out as a sophomore, which is a big deal. Age nineteen breakouts for wide receivers are definitely a big deal. He had eleven hundred yards from scrimmage and eleven touchdowns, and and still missed three games that season. He dropped off his junior year. And he only amassed 925 yards from scrimmage and six touchdowns, and he missed one game. So he kind of took a step back. But in Jacksonville, where he was drafted, he could step right into a wide receiver two role behind DJ Chark. And he's definitely a good do-it-all player. He did a lot of rushing and receiving for Colorado, which to me means even though Colorado's a it's it's division one, but it's a meh school. It means that he was their best player and they had to get him the ball to do just about anything. I think Jacksonville being as bad as they probably will be, if Trevor Lawrence ends up in Jacksonville next year, I think he he could he could definitely go off. I think he could definitely go off. I don't expect a ton from him this year, but if Jacksonville is as bad as we think they will be, he is definitely getting an upgrade at quarterback. Yeah, I mean, that that's a big if, especially to use this draft capital on that big of an if. But LaVisca Chenault, first of all, undoubtedly the best name in the draft this year. Have to say definitely. it. But I've been following LaVisca for a couple of years now through college and he was widely considered one of the top wide receiver prospects following the 2018 season Um, but Chenault just has not been able to stay healthy ever since Um, like you said he's missed some games in his college career he had a down season in 2019 and he tried to participate in the combine but pulled out after a subpar 4.5840 blaming it on an injury so I fear that, one, he won't stay healthy, and two, that even if he is able to stay healthy, that he may just turn into a gadget player in Jacksonville. So, LaVisca, to me, is your classic low-floor, high-ceiling, second-round wide receiver drafted by a bad franchise. Consider yourself warned, Cam. (laughs) Yeah, I mean... I definitely think an upgrade at quarterback will help that situation, and that's got me excited for buying DJ Chark this year and maybe buying into that Chenault stock this year. But let's move on. Who do you have at 205? Well, rather than relying on big ifs, I am going to take a sure thing at 205 
and that sure thing is one of the most elite quarterback prospects we have ever seen come out of college to a tag of Iloa. Getting him at 205 for me is a slam dunk. I mean, this guy, he reminds me of Drew Brees with his accuracy, his pocket presence, and all the guy does is win. I mean, we saw him come into the 27, 2017 National Championship game, lead Alabama back in his first game action um, to win the National Championship in the second half. And, I mean, the guy's stats speak for themselves. Um, 94.8 college quarterback rating. That is 99th percentile of all quarterback prospects coming out of college ever. And also 11.3 yards per attempt. So the guy throws the ball downfield. And, you know, in his last healthy season in 2018, almost 4,000 yards passing with 43 touchdowns and he adds a rushing component as well kind of similar to how I talked about Joe Burrow I just think that with Tua I love the landing spot Miami seems to know what they're doing moving forward but I just love how I'm getting a guy in the second round who I think is a sure thing and would have been talked about as you know the number one pick had Joe Burrow not have one of the greatest college football seasons of all time. Pretty much before this season, it was tank for Tua. Exactly. That's literally the that was literally the slogan. Um, the only negative thing I can come up with for Tua is he suffered that hip dislocation, which is a scary injury, and we've got modern medicine. It's it's definitely not something you wanted to see. The only, I mean, if he didn't dislocate his hip, don't you think there would have been more talk of Tua going at one? Yeah, I do. I I think that the dislocated hip is the great unknown. We've mm-hmm. never really seen anybody come back from that injury. So, yes, it's the great unknown, and I think... You know, had COVID-19 not been a factor and people had been able to look more and fly him in for a physical and get their hands on, you know, on him and see what that hip was like, the injury, how it was doing. You know, I think there would have been more talk about Tua as the first pick or at least an argument with Burrow, but... Mm -hmm. I just think it's a steal at 205 to get a guy like him landing in a great situation. Yep, Miami definitely stole him where they took him. Um, Can we stop also with the – there are people that say he's injury prone. He's not injury prone. A hip dislocation is is one of the, like, freakiest injuries on the football field to obtain. Like, there's nothing you can do to avoid that. It just – that was just a freak injury. It's not like he's not injury prone. There's a reason why we've barely ever seen it. Yeah, exactly. Like, don't I hate the people using the term injury prone when it comes to him because it's not true. Yeah, please stop. So at 206, I'm going to go with probably my favorite sleeper of this entire draft in Brian Edwards. Brian Edwards was drafted by the Oakland or oh sorry 
the Las Vegas Raiders. And there's definitely a there's definitely an unknown with him, especially with him not running the combine. There was talk of him running a four five two forty yard dash a senior year of high school, which he either could have made better or he could have made worse. It's really hard to go by that. Um, I will say he had a ninety fourth percentile co- college dominator rating. He's 6'3", 212 pounds. He played in the SEC, and his breakout age was 17 years old. 100th percentile. 100th percentile. That's that's wild. As a 17-year-old, he's dominating in the SEC on on a crappy team. His senior year... He had 71 receptions for 816 yards and six touchdowns. And he missed his final two games, so his stats would have been bumped up a little bit higher. Um, Unfortunately, he dropped in the draft because of a broken foot while he was training for the NFL draft, which is a scary injury for a wide receiver, to be fair. I think that's probably the only reason why he went in the third round. Now... On the SEC all-time receptions list, he comes in at number three since 1956. He comes in at number four on the SEC all-time receiving list. I mean, that's there's a lot of good wide receivers coming through the SEC, and him being in the top five of him being in even the top 15 of those categories is insane. Las Vegas even came out and said they gave Brian Edwards a first-round grade. And they stole him in the third round. Would it su- Austin, would it surprise you if Brian Edwards outproduces Ruggs, Higgins, Chenault, and Pittman? Not at all, especially, this season? especially not no. Ruggs. I have him ahead of my rankings compared to Ruggs. So to steal one of your classic lines... I love me some Brian mm-hmm. Edwards. Mm-hmm. 100th percentile breakout age, like we said. Um, obviously, injuries are a bit of a concern. Yep. The Liz Frank injury to his foot. We don't like Not to good. see that, especially with wide Not receivers. Good. But I like the landing spot for Brian Edwards because he's a bigger-bodied wide receiver. Not a lot standing in front of him. And... You know, I think he's better than Henry Ruggs. I would rather have him. Um, he's just more my style of wide receiver. He's physical, kind of in the mold of a Brandon Marshall, Des Bryant A-Rob. type. And like you yep. said, pr- prolific producer. Sure, he never eclipsed a 1,000 yards receiving in college, but, you know, the the numbers stacked up, and he just never played with a truly – competent quarterback i mean you put him on a team with tua Mm -hmm. and i think we're talking about brian edwards as a first round pick no question no freaking question there is a lot a lot more there than meets the eye with brian edwards and he is definitely one of those sneaky players that people forget about we're gonna talk about in the next episode uh, one of our recent drafts 
I'm just going to go ahead and throw it out there that I stole him essentially in the third round, which is insane. But moving on, I th- I think you're up next at 207. Who do you got? I sure am, and I am going to go with T. Higgins, wide receiver from Clemson. Um, the Bengals had their choice of any day two player in the NFL draft holding the first pick in the second round. And who did they select after fielding all those offers and considering every single option? They picked T. Higgins. T. Higgins, Higgins, 6'4", 215-pound, big physical wide receiver. He had 25 touchdowns in the last two seasons at Clemson, plus an 18-year-old breakout season which is, again, very indicative of future success in the league. So you're telling me that you're going to give me Joe Burrow's future number one wide receiver in the mid-second round? Come on. Sure, he may not be an elite athlete, but all he's done is shown us that he can produce at the highest levels of college football and now will be the perfect complement for an anticipatory quarterback that loves to let his wide receivers go up and get it. I mean, the fit, great. I think the only positive he has going for him is he gets Joe Burrow. His his advanced metrics and profile are both unimpressive. His ceiling, in my opinion, is probably Mike Williams. I mean, it's not bad. Mike Williams just had 1,000 yards receiving last year, even though I know you're not the biggest fan of him. And honestly, he's one of my buys this year, just a heads up. He had a 33rd percentile 40-yard dash. He ran a a 4.59. He almost ran a 4.6. That's slow. That's, that's not, there's no speed there. He had a 114.2 burst score, which was 15th percentile. So the guy doesn't explode and he he doesn't even come up to speed like he's going to have trouble getting away from corners and yes Joe Burrow's there Joe Burrow's his positive AJ Green's getting older Tyler Boyd is there they don't really have the weapons they've got Mixon who will like he'll get he'll 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 get a lot of touches I just think T. Higgins is one of those giant college wide receivers that ultimately towers over a small college corner and just absolutely dominates them. And when you get to the NFL, usually that doesn't translate all that much. Yeah, I mean, I do not love T. Higgins, just like I do not like Mike Williams. So, you know, but I just think that Joe Burrow is that good and you're going to want one of the youngest wide receivers in the draft to be tethered to a future top five quarterback in the league, especially considering AJ green is gone after this year. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I think there's a case to be made for T Higgins, especially if you can get him in the mid second round, Yeah. but cam, you know, I think you, uh, you're going to switch it up. Give us a running back here at two Oh eight. So the running back cliff falls off quite a bit after the top five guys. And I'm going to take 
the seventh running back in the draft with pick 2.08. I'm going to go Joshua Kelly out of UCLA. He was drafted by the Los Angeles Chargers. Now, this guy is interesting. The Chargers don't have a running back two. No disrespect. Justin Justin Jackson. Jackson. He was a mega producer at UCLA. He posted a 77th percentile college dominator. He averaged 1,250 scrimmage yards and 12 and a half touchdowns. He's two years as a primary back. And... I think he could – there's a, definitely a, a, a void in carries with Melvin Gordon leaving. I don't think Austin Eckler can handle 162 more carries. I think Josh Kelly's going to have a chance to eat into those touches. I mean, Justin Jackson's pretty much a non-factor. He's – not really built like an NFL running back and the style the style that he plays doesn't really doesn't really translate well for him. I think this late in the draft taking a prolific running back at 2.08 taking a chance at a running back too if Austin Eckler gets hurt. I mean Josh Kelly is going to see the ball a ton. Tyrod Taylor is their quarterback right now and I mean, Justin Herbert probably won't start till later in the year if he starts. There's going to be a lot of chances for these running backs, and I think Josh Kelly could could see a fair amount of touches his rookie season. Well, I have three words to describe Joshua Kelly for you. That is just another guy. Joshua Kelly is nothing special, and to me, He is the definition of average at running back. He got the Chip Kelly stat bump in his two years at UCLA as the primary back. And, you know, the NFL evaluators saw that he's really nothing special, you know, getting picked in the fourth round. And he's also behind one of the most efficient and underrated all-purpose running backs in the league and also with the greatest first name, one of my guys, Austin Eckler. So, you know, I just don't see Joshua Kelly really putting up any numbers at any point, and honestly give me Justin Jackson over Joshua Kelly because Joshua Kelly is just another guy. Don't disrespect my guy. I mean, he was a he was a mega producer at UCLA, which is, I get it. Chip Kelly's there. It's a Pac-12 school. It's not like he's playing bums. Like, he put up numbers. So, I don't know. I just think that Austin Eckler's not going to be able to. He won't take all of those touches. Like, it's just not humanly possible. So. It's either you believe in Justin Jackson or you don't, and I don't. So, that being said, let's move on to 2.09. Well, I don't believe in Joshua Kelly, but you know who I do believe in. That's the guy I'm taking at 209, Antonio Gibson. This guy is an elite athlete, with which Joshua Kelly knows nothing about. Antonio Gibson ran a 4.39 40-yard dash, 
That's a 99th percentile speed score. He had averaged 11.2 yards per carry. Yes, you heard me right. 11.2 yards per carry. That means you hand him the ball, he's averaging at least a first down. And first down. Every time he touches the ball. Every first single down. time. Every time. Move the chains every single time this guy touches the ball. So he had also an 88th percentile college target share, and he is best comparable to my guy, Joe I Mixon. I knew you were going here. I knew it. I so knew you were going here. You give me a guy that makes a play every time that he touched the ball in the late second round in a spot with the Washington football team, a an ambiguous mm-hmm. backfield. Sure, Cam can like Darius Geis all he wants, but give me a shot at an elite athlete here in the late second coming from Memphis who just breeds athletes at the skill positions but people will cite his you know lack of touches but Memphis has proven to continually underutilize the best running backs on their team whether it be playing Darrell Henderson over the superior Tony Pollard or playing this year's undrafted Patrick Taylor over the vastly superior playmaker Antonio Gibson who I am stealing here in the late second. Cam, mm-hmm. I'm sorry to do it to you. That's okay, Austin. I do like myself some Antonio Gibson. Now, if I am the Geis owner, I'm probably targeting Antonio Gibson because you don't know what the heck's going on there. He just can't catch a break. But Antonio Gibson, he was a wide receiver running back hybrid at Memphis, not only did he average 11 yards per carry, but he had, he, he received, he had 38 receptions and 735 receiving yards. That's a big, he had a thousand yards and being a hybrid player and getting the chance to, if I hear them say, if I if I hear the coaches for the Washington football team one more time say he could be like Christian McCaffrey or play the <laughs> Christian McCaffrey role, I'm probably going to throw up because I've literally seen it for not only him, I saw it for Bryce Love, and I saw it for one other guy that JD I don't even – J.D. McKissick. <laughs> J.D. McKissick. Like, what the hell are we doing? Why, why are we – why why are you doing this to your players? Why do you hate your players so much? But <laughs> he could definitely dominate. There's definitely touches available there. Uh, Haskins stinks. And if they use him at a hybrid role, it'd be very interesting to see how creative they can be for him. But... Yeah, I mean, I just he's a good size. I just think that he's got the speed. Yeah, I I just think that you take in the late second a shot on an elite athlete and we've seen how valuable over the last few years that receivers with big PPR upside can do for you on a team. I mean, Christian McCaffrey, Austin Eckler, guys like that that are you know are going to catch a lot of passes and if given the opportunity to be a primary back, I think we're going to see Antonio Gibson produce. Yeah. 
Yeah, he's definitely an interesting one. Um, so moving on at 2.10, I am going with Darrington Evans. He played at Appalachian State. He was drafted in the third round by Tennessee. He is 5'10", 203 pounds. And Derrick Henry signed his deal recently. I think it was a four-year deal. He could end up being a nice compliment for Derrick Henry as the running back two in Tennessee. I think Derrick Henry signing that deal, I don't think he's going to see 300 rushes this season. So there will definitely be a target or a, uh, yeah, avoid in targets there. And he, he is an elite athlete as well. He posted a 4.4140 yard dash, which is 96 percentile. He is, he has an 86 percentile speed score an 82nd percentile burst score. And he was a mega producer at Appalachian State, which I know is only part of the Sun Belt Conference. So there's, eh, there's not really, there's not really teams there to compete. But he posted in his junior year, he posted four, uh, fourteen hundred eighty yards and twenty three touchdowns. That's ridiculous. That is insane. Yeah, sure that sure that's ridiculous, but has anyone listening to this ever heard of the Sun Belt? No. I mean No. 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 I'm gonna be <laughs> so, honest with you. No. To be and to be honest with you, I have no interest in an undersized running back from a non power five conference behind the big dog, Derrick Henry, especially after he signed his massive extension within the last couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. So I just personally do not see any scenario that Darrington Evans ends up as a primary back for an NFL team like the Titans, even if Henry was to go down because he just does not have the size. And I would think in the case that, God forbid, Derrick Henry goes down, I think they they bring in somebody else to help shoulder the load. So I just don't know if Darrington Evans is ever going to be somebody that's cracking your starting lineup in the running back slot yeah i mean it just depends he's definitely somebody to target if you have derrick henry just in case it's it's the end of the second round so you're really running out of options here and i mean he's an elite athlete and he's the rb2 in tennessee derrick henry like i said probably won't have 300 rushes this season just because now he's there for the long haul so they're probably gonna reel him back a little bit but yeah. Well, I would rather target somebody like the guy I'm about to pick at 211 that actually might be able to start crack your starting lineup, and that is running back Zach Moss out of Utah, who is picked in the third round by the Buffalo Bills. Zach Moss is a big back, 225 pounds, massive producer in college, three straight 1,000-yard seasons. Um and he had over 10 touchdowns every single season in the Pac-12. Zach Moss, not going to blow you away on the metrics. Absolutely. (laughs) Worthy worthy of a crying Jordan meme. Um, Zach Moss is not a great athlete. 4.65, 40-yard dash, which I'm not a fan of. So don't get me wrong. I do not like Zach Moss, but I do like Zach Moss more 
than Devin Singletary mm. playing for a playoff caliber team in Buffalo. So I just think Zach Moss, at the very least, is going to have all of the goal line touches for you know a top 10 team in the NFL this year. So give me a guy that has that chance, and I honestly would bet on Zach Moss outscoring Devin Singletary this year in Buffalo. Yeah, I mean, Zach Moss, really nothing special there. Like you said, he's slow, bumbling, stumbling, non-explosive. The upside is, can he beat out Devin Singletary? The answer is probably yes. For where he should be going in 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 rookie drafts he's at we're at 211 if you're taking him at 211 it's a relatively low risk option i mean i could see it i'm not really a huge fan he was definitely dominant in college i just think buffalo is one of those teams where next year you're going to be sad because zach moss is going to then Essentially, if he if he turns into the RB1 in, in Buffalo, he will just be put on the back burner when they end up ultimately drafting one of the big boys next year. So uh, it, it could easily be a wasted pick at Zach Moss. Uh, unless you need somebody this year, like if you need somebody or a chance at somebody this year, go for it. But you're going to be sad next year when ultimately the Bills draft a running back. And that is exactly where I was going to go with that is – Late in the second round, if you're a contending team needing a little help at running back, I think he's the perfect pick late in the second round to make a playoff push, potentially have a guy, even if he's a one-year rental, it's a low-risk pick for potentially high reward. Yeah, I mean, maybe maybe he does go off. Maybe there is something there. And if you're a non-believer like me and... Austin, if you ended up taking Zach Moss in a in a real draft and he had a good year, you'd honestly after this year probably flip him for something else. Hundred percent. That's just the truth. Like you just let him rack up the stats and you'd say see you later and and you move on and try and draft somebody uh, with a lot more promise. Totally agree. So yeah. Cam close out the second round with two twelve. All right, here we go. So. I am taking at 212, Lynn Bowden? Is it Bowden? 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 I say I, I feel like I say it both ways. Regardless, he was drafted in the third round by the Las Vegas Raiders. He, dra- he, he played at Kentucky, which is an SEC school. He's 5'11", 204 pounds. Again, he's a wide receiver, running back kind of athlete. Played a little bit of quarterback, did a little bit of everything for Kentucky. And honestly, it would be kind of hilarious, but would not surprise me if Gruden hated both his quarterbacks so much that at some point Lynn Bowden would be deployed at quarterback for a few plays. He's a freak. He literally the tape confirms he is an athlete. His junior year, he posted 1,468 rushing yards, which was number one in the SEC, which is ridiculous. He averaged 17.994 yards per rush. He had 348 receiving yards for, and uh, it averaged to 11.6 yards per reception. He even had a 403 passing yards. He had 17 total 
uh, touchdowns, 13 rushing touchdowns, which ultimately ended up being number two in the SEC. And in 2018, he was fifth in the SEC with 67 receptions. He literally did everything for Kentucky and just laid it all out there. And on top of all that, he was a 2019 All-American for just being an athlete. I feel like at the end of the second round, 212, why not? Especially with the Raiders. We've just we've said it twice already. I went for the Raider trifecta here, and I think it can't hurt this late in the draft. Yeah, so first off, I want to let it be known I am concerned about how much you seem to like the Raiders here, but <laughs> going back to Lynn, going back to Lynn Bowden, my my favorite thing. I mean, hold on. Eventually, they've got to hit on somebody, right? I mean, eventually. So why not go for the trifecta here and get at least one of these guys right? But go ahead. <laughs> yeah, maybe you can finally hit on a pick. Boom. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite thing about Lynn Bowden was that he ended up playing quarterback last year for Kentucky after their top two quarterbacks went down and actually led mm. them to finish the season ranked in the top 25, which is saying a lot coming from a non-football school. So no doubt Lynn Bowden can do it all. However, I just believe that he is not a specialist at anything and therefore will never be fantasy relevant. The Raiders announced him as a running back during the draft, so it seems like they envision him backing up Josh Jacobs, who, you know, looked promising in his first year. So I don't know. I just don't think we're ever going to see... Lynn Bowden um, really being all of that productive. I think he's more of a guy you love to have on your football team because he really can do it all. Special teams, running back, wide receiver, emergency quarterback, you name it. Yeah. I mean, he's probably Derek Carr stinks, Marcus Mariota stinks. Who the hell knows? Maybe he's playing quarterback. You never know. But <laughs> you don't know with John Gruden, he's going to be wild. Yeah. He's a crazy man. <laughs> you really never know. But let's get into some potential third round picks that can set you apart from your league mates, what we like to call our diamonds in the rough. So, Cam, obviously, we love the guys that we picked in the second round, but who in mm -hmm. particular stands out for you that you cannot believe is still available? And you would pound the table right now to get. So for my diamond in the rough, I'm going KJ Hamler. Now, he may be buried on that depth chart in Denver. He went to Penn State. He was drafted in the second round, pick number 14. He had a 19-year-old breakout, and he didn't get to he didn't um post any of his like didn't do any of the workout metrics so there's nothing official to go by but if you watch the tape the dude can fly this man is fast his best comparable player on on playerprofiler.com is Deshaun Jackson this guy will cruise all over the field and he will be a nice compliment to both Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton I would also point out that he was the youngest wide receiver in this year's draft. And this year's draft is pretty loaded, and him being taken in the second round at pick 14 is pretty pretty impressive. He also had a he also posted a 25.5% target share at Penn State, which that's a pretty big deal too, because you know, Penn State's 
pretty big school. Yeah, big school for sure. And although he did not participate at the Combine due to injury, if there's one thing we know at Penn State, they produce elite athletes. We've seen Saquon Barkley, Chris Godwin, Mike Mike Gusecki. Yeah. Yep. So, you know, K.J. Hamler, he was rumored to possibly crack the the uh, four twos at the combine had he been able to participate so no doubt he's fast um could he be diamond in the rough sure i just you all know how much i love jerry judy so Mm -hmm. i don't think he's ever gonna see the volume because judy is that good but i actually have a better diamond in the rough for me my diamond in the rough pound the table guy has to be tight end Adam Troutman from Dayton, who is selected in the third round by the New Orleans Saints. Uh, Troutman is 6'5", 255, and had a 97th percentile dominator rating, which definitely sets him apart. And sure, he may not have played at the highest level of college football, but what do you expect from those guys is for them to absolutely dominate and Troutman proved that he could do so with over 900 yards receiving and 14 touchdowns last year. Um, And he actually did get the opportunity to show what he can do up against guys that did play at the top level because he got an invitation to the Senior Bowl where Mm -hmm. he tore it up, and basically by the end of the Senior Bowl, he was the consensus best tight end there. And... I think my favorite thing about Adam Troutman is that the Saints traded every single one of their day three picks to get back into the third round and select Adam Troutman. They Mm -hmm. essentially said, we will throw away the entire rest of our draft to get this guy. And who's Mm -hmm. the last person, Cam, that the Saints did that for? Alvin Kamara. And look how that's panned out. Yeah, he's pretty pretty good. Give me the diamond in the rough. Yeah, he's decent. So Yeah, he's he's okay. <laughs> so, yeah, Adam Troutman, diamond in the rough. What do yeah. you got? Yeah, I mean, Adam Troutman, there's, he played at Dayton, yeah, but I think this dude is literally a clone of Dallas Goddard, and I love Dallas Goddard. Everything, literally everything reminds me of Dallas Goddard watching this guy. Again, with what you said, with the Saints just unloading their day three picks, that's a pretty big deal. He did. He dominated in college. I mean, I, I don't I don't hate this pick whatsoever. He's the only real tight end that's worth drafting and like in, in rookie drafts, if you're you're doing three rounds for your rookie draft. He even had an age nineteen breakout, which is a pretty big deal for a wide receiver let alone a tight end so he could he could get looks early on in his career and a lot of people are gonna have their eyes open when they when they watch him play could not agree more so we hope that these picks help you land your diamond in the rough that can help you become an elite dynasty player we will be back with you later this week to talk about one of our recent dynasty rookie drafts in real life as well as fielding some listener questions so 
Be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, leave a rating and review, and follow us both on Twitter, that's at DynastyAusti, and at DynastyCam, as well as our podcast account at Coast to Coast FFB. So thank you for listening to Dynasty Coast to Coast. Love you all. Stay safe out there. And as always, let's keep the positive vibes going. Peace.